Welcome. You're listening to The Aligned Self, conversations in creating a conscious and abundant life. This is Daniel DeNovi. I'll be your guide and host. Let's see just where we can take this. Hello, friend, and welcome to the conversation. In this episode, I want to talk to you about reclaiming your energy. Now, a few episodes back, in fact, several, probably four months ago, I made a declaration that I was going to be reconnected to my energetic body. Reconnected in a way where I wanted to assume a greater level of mastery, a greater level of consciousness. And as in all declarations, the universe listens. So if you say you want to work on something, you're going to have circumstances come up where you get to work on it. Well, the end of November, 1st of December, I found myself drained. I hit a wall. I was tapped out, burnt out. And I didn't realize at the time I kept pushing through, but I was not being responsible for my energy. And I touched upon this in the episode on negative manifesting a few back, but and I am going to go on a deeper dive into the whole dynamic that occurred during then, but I wanted to be sufficiently insulated from that experience so I didn't actually tap back into that energy. So for now, just suffice it to say that I hit a wall, I was tapped out, I was burnt out, and I was not responsible for my energy. I wasn't taking care of myself, I wasn't cleaning things up, and as things go, when you muddy the water, you have to wait a while for things to settle. So while that was happening, I reinvigorated my process. I reinvigorated my practice of grounding. I also began recalling my energy, realizing that there were people that were sucking the life out of me that I might not know or be aware that they were tapped into me. And that process is what I'm going to share with you today. So you can utilize it yourself. Now, each and every episode, I do imbibe a certain amount of energy, I make available to you. But the distinction is, is that when I do it for my clients, when I do it for my listeners, I am a conduit. I imagine the energy coming in through the top of my head and pouring out my heart. So it's just flowing through me. It's not coming from me. And that's the distinction that you need to make when you're a healer, a facilitator, a teacher, when you're interacting with other people. You need to make sure that the energy is not coming from you, but rather through you. Now, this is especially true if you consider yourself an empath or empathic. And I did a podcast episode on this as well. But essentially, an empath is wide open. And you've yet to establish boundaries where you begin and others take on. So if you have an especially hard time of being out in public, being in a group, being you know, among other people without feeling like they're sucking some life out of you or you're taking on negative vibes, negative energy, then you have yet to establish firm boundaries for yourself. But get excited because in a few episodes, I'm going to do one specifically on personal boundaries. So again, to come back to the topic at hand, make sure that you have, if you're sending people energy, that it's coming through you from the ether, from God, God, us all that is, from the universe, and you're directing it through your intention. Your flow, It's flowing through you. It's not coming from you. 
Because in your persona, in your body, it takes a certain amount of energy just to keep things working. And when you start sending energy from you, you're actually robbing reserves meant for your life force. So how can you tell whether or not someone is siphoning off your energy field? Well, think of this. Virtually anyone that you've been intimate with in the past, you've made some type of energetic connection to. Anyone that you've ever had an argument with, you've exchanged energy with them, and chances are they're still siphoning off you. Especially if you think back to that individual, that circumstance, and you're activated by it. Meaning that memory, that experience, has an emotional charge for you, one you've not yet released. And then every time you recall it, you reinvigorate it with energy. Because for one reason or another, you've still not let it go. Now, my point of view on the past is that the past is the past. Once it's over, you don't have to deal with it at all. You can simply let it go. But again, when you recall it, when we recall a memory, basically you're reaching back into your past and bringing that memory, bringing that energy back into your future. And you're putting it out in front of you for you to step into tomorrow. And my suggestion is that if you reach back into your past and activate some memory, and it is less than satisfying, downright unpleasant, my suggestion is that you stop doing that. Stop it. And I've had clients say, I can't help it. Well, you're the one doing the thinking. If a thought pops up, you can acknowledge it and then release it. You can let it go. What most people try to do is they push it back in the past. But I want you to bring it out in the light and acknowledge it and then say, this is my old story. I am no longer connected to that event. I recall my energy and I accept it for what it was. I take the lesson and leave the pain behind. You see, if you don't break that connection, the way it exists in your mind and in your persona is as a vicious circle. It's a loop that you can't get out of. And that's why you want to interrupt the pattern and say, I am calling back my energy. I release that event to my past. I'm going to take the learning, but I'm going to leave the pain behind. And I accept it for what it was. It happened it just happened. And that's how you interrupt the vicious cycle, the vicious circle, by saying it was what it was. Because how suffering occurs is when we remember something and then we have this thought, it shouldn't have happened, it couldn't have happened, if only. But then you're faced with, well, it did happen. And then you go right back, but it shouldn't have, it couldn't have, why did it happen to me? There's this resistance to accepting it. And through that resistance, that experience persists. It keeps rising back up to the surface to say, hey, look at me, look at me. And at some point, I will take a deeper dive on trauma and PTSD and how we recreate these events in our mind. But let me just add this one more piece about this, about the acceptance and letting it go, is that you need to accept responsibility. Now, when I say that, it's not for the act, it's not for what happened, but accept responsibility, your ability 
to respond. You see, your ultimate freedom, that's something that nobody can take away from you, is that you get to choose your response to whatever shows up in your life. You're not a victim. You're not at the mercy of what happens. You always have a choice on how you respond. Now, as a human being, you're going to encounter some nasty people, people that just are rude in general, and you may have unpleasant experiences. And I'm not going to judge how nasty a particular event is for anybody because everyone has their own experience. What is trivial to one person is downright devastating to another person, essentially based on how you're perceiving it. I remember seeing two different women interviewed in the California fires a year or two years ago, where it totally wiped out a community. And one woman was beside herself. She lost all her memories, all the pictures. Everyone was safe, but they lost everything they owned. They had nothing. And she was emotionally a wreck. Then they interviewed another woman, and she said, we lost everything. Nothing was spared except our family. We all made it out alive. Our cats, our dogs made it out. We will rebuild. We'll never replace the memories. We will never replace the pictures. But we'll begin again. The first woman was living in the story, the narrative that it shouldn't have happened. Poor her. And the second woman acknowledged, yes, it happened, but there was a level of acceptance. We'll rebuild. We'll be better. We'll move on. She, instead of looking to the past on what happened, they're looking to the future on what they can now create. And this is not to gloss over, you know, take the spiritual bypass and like, I'm better than pain or I'm better than misery. It's acknowledging that was rather unpleasant. And you also acknowledge whatever emotion that came up, whether it's anger, depression, fear, you know, whatever's there, acknowledge it. Then decide, how long do you want to feel this? How long do you have to entertain this feeling to give it its due? Now, when I was younger, I always had a short fuse. I was quick to anger, but I found the anger rather nauseating. I just didn't like it. My system didn't like it. And so I figured I had to do something about it, and I sort of invented this process. Or maybe more accurately, I channeled it. I received it rather than invented it, because I don't remember where I got it. I just started doing this. And then over the years, I've refined it. And you can do this with whatever emotion comes up. And I have talked about this in the past, but it pays revisiting. First, whatever emotion comes up, whether it's anger, sadness, frustration, you acknowledge it for what it is. I'm mad. I'm frustrated. I'm depressed. And then you want to honor that feeling because nobody likes to be told you shouldn't feel that way. You feel that way for a reason. So you want to honor the feeling, and so I would bargain with myself, how long would it take to adequately honor this feeling? And if it's anger, I can say, I'm going to be angry. Like, this pissed me off. This made me so mad. I think I want to stay with this and be present to it for at least seven days. Because frankly, this really upset me, and I think seven days really does it justice. And then I ask myself, is seven days really enough? And I usually get some type of internal confirmation that, yes, seven days is enough. And then I bargain with it just a little. 
I would ask myself, is three days adequate? Is three days, if I really immerse myself in the anger for the next three days, is it enough to honor this event? And I'll get some type of internal response. It would either be a yes or no. You don't need to go the full seven days. Three days would be, could be enough. And then I might bargain once or twice more. Can I whittle it down to one day? If I spend the next 24 hours and completely immersed in the anger, would that adequately honor this event? And I'll either get a yes or a no. And if I get a yes, then I ask, what's the least amount of time that I would need to invest in this to adequately honor this feeling? And sometimes I'm ready to let it go in 30 minutes. Now, I only begin the bargaining with myself once I've acknowledged, accepted, and honored the emotion that's there. You see, everybody wants to be understood. They want to be acknowledged. And your inner self is no less. So once I get it down to a time frame on how long I'll be feeling this, I ask the next question to dive a little deeper. In the understanding that any emotion that comes up is actually just a surface. It's just a symptom of a deeper need or want that is unfulfilled. So I ask the question, what need or want was at risk here? You ask your inner self and then you listen. And whatever comes up is what comes up. It might not seem that important, but you want to honor whatever comes up as important and find a way to address it and put it in place for yourself. So something that might be there, a need or a want, might be to be understood or to be validated or to feel nurtured or even safe. And what I've found in this process of investigating, of acknowledging and diving deeper, is that those wants and needs are typically satisfied just through the process of you being with yourself, honoring yourself, honoring your feelings. And this is what's meant in psychology when you're told to honor your feelings. Now, what most people make the mistake in thinking is that other people should honor your feelings. Well, I'm sorry to tell you, no one is responsible for your feelings but you. Can you imagine the burden that you would experience if you were responsible for everybody's feelings around you? Every feeling that came up? in connection with you? First, you're not a mind reader. Second, it's not your responsibility. Everyone's responsible for their own feelings. They're responsible for their own perceptions, their own assessments, their own judgments. And this is why you need to be response-abled for your feelings, responsible for your feelings. There's been no truer quote than Eleanor Roosevelt when she said, No one can make you feel anything without your permission. You are not a puppet on a string. Every feeling you have is actually the caboose on a train of thought. You have to picture certain things, say certain things to yourself, perceive things in a particular way in order to feel hurt. Now, can I tell you a secret? You're going to laugh. Everything that I've talked about, virtually everything I've talked about so far... I had no idea I was going to talk about. It just came up from my other than conscious, and I realized that I needed to talk about this before I could go to the next part. 
So the protocol that I just handed out on how to handle your emotions is being responsible for your energy. Because this next part doesn't work unless you are responsible for the vibe you put out in the world. So remember when I started this podcast, I talked about recalling your energy. You see, when you're in intimate relations, when you have friends and different circumstances, such as that in the social setting, you tend to give from your heart. And in simplistic terms, there's basically two types of people. There's people that give and there's people that take. And if you're a giver, you need to have boundaries for sure, because the people that take don't have any. They don't have a limit to how much is enough. They'll take and take and take as long as you're willing to give. Yet to be truthful, not everyone realizes they're taking energy. Just as not everybody, you may not realize you're giving up energy. Metaphorically, think of yourself as a, a Duracell battery and that you have wires going off into the past, going off to different people and different circumstances that you're feeding energy to in one way or another. And again, if you can recall an event and it is charged electrically, energetically, then you are feeding that energy. You're keeping it alive in some way. And if you're new to the podcast and you continue listening and you find value in this kind of idea, just wait until I tie this into thought forms and energizing thought forms. But so far, we've just talked about those that we're conscious of. So how about the unconscious leaks, people, connections that we've had in the past that we may not have completed on, disconnected from? Well, I thought perhaps the end of November, 1st of December, that I was leaking energy, unbeknownst to me. So what did I do? I made this declaration, and you may want to pattern something similar, so I'll write it down for you and I'll make it available uh, as a PDF download. Just go to yesdaniel.com backslash um, recall, recall, yesdaniel.com backslash recall, and the link will be in the show notes, but I'll type this out for you to use on your own. You can use some variation of it, but this is what I said. I declare that my energy field is sovereign. It is my domain. I am now recalling my energy. Anyone that has connected and is siphoning off my energy, I now cut that connection. All known and unknown connections. And then I reaffirmed, my energy field is sovereign. It is my domain. It is mine. And I revoke all agreements, known and unknown, that are draining my energy field. And that's it. So condition number one, when you say this, you need to say it like you mean it. Declare it like it's law. My energy field is my domain. It's sovereign, meaning that it's only mine to command. And I wanted to specify only those connections that are draining my energy field. Now, if someone's supporting me, if they're sending me love, I don't want to break that connection. So how many times do you say this? I said it three times with purpose, aligned purpose. Like I was congruent in the fact that I was making a statement here. You better listen. And this is true of all manifesting. 
You don't have to say it again and again if you say it like you mean it. One declaration is enough if you state it as if it's law. And, well, okay, you might be saying, that sounded good. Tell me what happened. Well, within hours, I had a half a dozen people text me or message me unexpectedly. People I haven't talked to in years. Old lovers, friends, people that used to work for me. They contacted me, asked me how I was doing, uh, if I could answer a question for them. I was just wondering, whatever happened to, like, just something to draw me back into their field. And some of these people I didn't really care for. I mean, I no longer wanted to dance with them. Other people I liked. And I was surprised that they were, like, taking energy from me. And those people I, I responded to, but it was in a noncommittal way. I made the connection, I acknowledged them, and then I... In my mind, I released it. And if it turned out they were trying to hand me a monkey, you know, trying to answer something, I would point them in another direction as if I wasn't the source of it. I wasn't really sure. I didn't know, but I could point them to a resource. And in my mind, I would say, not my monkey, not my circus. Now, that was the immediate impact. Over the next few days, I noticed that in my Facebook feed and my Instagram feed that people were commenting or just liking on stuff, and I would see their name. It's like, oh, wow, I haven't seen them in a long time. And then I realized, oh, I withdrew my energy. But then another interesting thing happened, and this occurred in my dream state. For five nights in a row, I had dreams about past relationships, past lovers, past friends. And what was interesting that in the dream state, there was some type of overture in order to rekindle the relationship, rekindle the friendship, rekindle the connection. And I had enough lucidity in that moment to not go ahead with it, to withdraw my energy, withdraw my participation. Now, if you're not aware of it, lucid dreaming is the ability to realize while you're in the dream state that, hey, you're asleep and you're dreaming, this is a dream, and your ability to change the outcome, guide the outcome. You're not there just as a spectator. You're actually an architect of the dream. And yes, that sounds like another episode to get into down the road. This episode was all about recalling your energy, being responsible for your energy, being a steward for your energy. And as you recall your energy, if you feel that there's one stubborn connection you can use a little mind hack, which is just using a huge pair of clippers or scissors in your mind and cutting the cord or whatever other means that your imagination can come up with to sever that connection. So this episode was all about stopping the hemorrhaging, recalling your energy, being responsible for your energetic domain. You are the master of yourself. And in the next couple episodes coming up, we'll talk about grounding and recharging the battery, filling the cup. So until next time, this is your friend and host, Daniel Danovi, urging you to follow your bliss, live your life from inner signals, inner directed, as you live the epic adventure.